with the permission, Lord. This morning, as we gather in this, this morning of recollection, Lord, it's just a good time to, to be with you and to rest in you, to be renewed by your love for us. Take some time for quiet. There's probably going to be a lot of quiet in the coming days and weeks. Maybe a little bit of boredom is going to set in. And so today, Lord, with, with you, we can never be bored with you. Our Lord makes us infinitely happy. And he fills us with his infinite goodness and makes us totally happy. And so here, this morning of recollection, we really resolve that we're going to find our happiness, our motivation, our zeal in the Lord. We're going to find in Him the, the fulfillment for all of our thirsting, all of our um, desires. And this morning, we can meditate a little bit on the reading for this upcoming Sunday, the woman at the well in Samaria, a Samaritan woman, and um, our Lord's encounter with her, and we're actually going to look at it in two different ways. First, from the point of view of, of this woman's encounter with our Lord, this well, and then we're going to look at it on the flip side, from the point of view of Jesus and his encounter with her. And so we hear Jesus had to pass through Samaria. And now just even that, like he had to pass through Samaria. Samaria was this area of the Holy Land where the people were very much um, enemies of the Jews. And there'll be some more details of that. Jesus is passing through enemy territory here. And um, so he came to the city of Samaria called Sikar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And so Jesus, wearied as he was, sat down from his journey, sat down beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. And there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Now, from the point of view of this woman, we don't even know her name. But the sixth hour, so it's noon. Um, you don't draw water at noon. This is uh, the scene and what it's set. Again, we'll see more details as we look at it from the point of view of our Lord. But the scene as it's set, uh, this is the wrong time. This is what's going uh, the, This is it's in the middle of the day. Um, under the hot sun, if you got to walk to a well and then walk back with a big thing of heavy water, you don't do that at noon. You do it at uh, right around dawn, and you do it again at dusk, right, when it's cool, when it's not going to, when you can still see, but it's not too hot. Well, so she's coming at the wrong time. Um, and there's a couple different reasons probably why. Um, but... Imagine on her end, here she is, coming out to draw water. There's no one there. It's the wrong time. And there's this guy sitting by the well. Um, And she just, you know, oh, great. Like, here we go. Uh, What's he doing there? I'm going to have to either talk to him or what. She could probably tell that he's Jewish. um, Some way he's dressed from um, his hair and from other types of things. And so it's just like, oh, great. Okay. Like... Um, and we see she kind of stays a little bit of a distance, uh, at first. Um, but how much for, like, there's never a wrong time to encounter our Lord. 
right? There, there's never, there's never um, a bad time to fall in love with you, Lord, to be with you. And so, you know, we need to, we can resolve a small resolution we can make given whatever changes are going to happen in the upcoming weeks is it's never like, well, this is, this is the wrong time. This is, um, no, or, or even like where we are, are halfway through the semester, right? This, this week is, or would have been spring break. Um, and it is, uh, okay, well, we're already, we're already halfway through. We're not going to try to go any deeper. The goal now is just survival. No, no way. Like not, not with you, Lord. Uh, there's never a bad time to meet our Lord. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Again, it's just such, so simple. And she, she responds, um, a Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Uh, and this translation says, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. But what it is, is they actually... Um, the Greek is that they don't share utensils, right? We don't, we don't, we're, we're so apart. We can't even use the same bucket. So like, how can you ask me to give you a drink of water? You, you won't use my bucket. You, we are, our cultures are so different that I, and she, so she asks a very kind of um, upfront question, maybe with a little bit of, uh, spunk, maybe a little bit of sass, maybe um, being a little sassy with our Lord. Like, uh, we don't, we can't use the same cup. How, how am I going to give you? So, how can you even ask me for something to drink? Um, this is a little ridiculous. And you know, maybe sometimes when our Lord asks little things of us, maybe we get a little sassy with Him. Maybe we decide that we want to um, make excuses. Right here uh, on a very natural level, this is this is an excuse. We can't. We don't. We don't share utensils we don't share the same cups or buckets uh, our peoples and so i will give you an excuse when our lord asks us for little acts of love how often do we make little foolish excuses i can't i can't get up early and say some prayers now i got to um because i'm gonna be doing this and that tomorrow and no nah, it's a good time to say i don't have to go to mass like Right, I gotta drive if I have to do that, and it's gonna ruin my day. I got stuff to do. I'll do. I'll do homework, which we all know is never gonna happen. Okay, like, I mean, we can we can sass our Lord sometimes. And, you know, our, our Lord takes it right. That's there's something about when we when we decide we want to give these excuses to our Lord. These foolish little excuses. Lord, you accept that from us. Um, you uh. You're okay with, you know, when, when we're praying, we should never be afraid to, to express what's on our hearts. And if, if, as we see, if we start out sassy, by the end, things get pretty interesting. So um, at least there's a little bit of honesty there. And so Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me, to, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, So you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where are you going to get living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it for drank from it himself and his sons and his cattle? So again, she's she's still sassing him. Um, uh, you, you don't even have a bucket. 
What do you mean you're going to give me living water? You have nothing. The well's deep. You don't have anything to draw with. Again, excuses. Maybe so often, Lord, our conversations with you are just a series of excuses. A series of incredulity, right? Um, that I don't believe. I, I'm not believe. I'm, we're going to keep this at a, at a pessimistic level, right? We need to, we need to be um, optimistic. We need... We need to really like we can we can we can do this that um, James and John in the gospel from this past week um, to really you know can you do it yes we can what, what's this what's she doing right now you can't um, you can't do that well you don't have a bucket you don't have this you don't have that we can't share utensils. No, we need optimism. We need we need to not be just made. Uh, no, no, no. All these problems. Saint Jose Maria writes in the way: faith, joy, optimism, but not the folly of closing your eyes to reality. Right. Let's be honest about some difficulties, but approach them with with faith. God can do all things. With joy, He loves us. And optimism that with him we can do everything. That he's going to use every circumstance for our good. Um, he's going to bring about holiness in us, no matter no matter what the particular circumstances. And so um, we see here, we don't really want to be making a lot of excuses. Jesus said to everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him shall become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Okay, so now we've, we've turned a corner. Sir, give me this water now um, that I may not thirst or come here to draw. So now she's going to our Lord with, instead of excuse, 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 this can't happen. Well, now we've turned a corner, and now it's, um, okay, I need, you know, then give, give me this water, welling up to eternal life, asking our Lord for our needs, our basic needs, for the water. She doesn't, she doesn't want to have to come and go to the well anymore and carry the heavy bucket back, and, well, the empty bucket there and the heavy bucket back. So give me this water that may not thirst nor come here to draw. I think that's a that's a real question. I think she's really um okay, we're gonna go along with this a little bit. And so we need to be prepared to ask our Lord um for these things that we need. And we should always go to him with, with what we need. Maybe okay, excuses, excuses. Well then it changes to like Alright, Lord, fine. Uh may have to quarantine sooner or later. Okay, like fine. Well at least let me study in that time. Like help me to use the time well. Okay. Like we can ask our Lord for uh, the ability to to help us, um, to give us what we need, our our basic needs. And then now we're now we're getting into part two, because then Jesus says, "Go call your husband and come here." All right? Okay, you want the water? Fine. Go get your husband and come on back. Well, he knows what's going on. In second meditation, we'll cover that. So the woman answered him, "I have no husband." 
Okay, now we're now we're back. Just took a step forward with asking for water. Now we're taking a step back. I have no husband, right? Because um, our Lord's now. What's going to happen? Our Lord, as we start asking Him for things, is going to start pushing in those areas that we really need. I have no husband. Jesus said to her, "You're right in saying I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and he whom you now have is not your husband." This you said truly. I think our Lord says this with a real um, compassion. This is something of which I'm sure she um, is embarrassed. In fact, this is why, alluding to earlier, she maybe is coming to draw water alone at the middle of the day because in these tight-knit communities, it would have been very well known that she's had five husbands and she's living with a sixth guy now. Um, And so... Maybe that's the cause of the embarrassment that she needs to come and draw water at noon. Because all the other women would have been coming out at, you know, dawn and at day at dusk. And so maybe she needs to come out away from them. Maybe she's an outsider in the community. I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying that. I have no husband. We've had five husbands. And maybe in our conversation with the Lord, maybe in... In this conversation, again, with naturalness and charity. But maybe there's a little bit of sass back there. And if we're, if we're going to start sassing our Lord early on, maybe our Lord says, yep, okay, that's right. Uh, go call your husband. I don't have a husband. Yeah, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five. And the man you have now, he's not your husband. So you were right in saying that, right? And maybe if we start by sassing of the Lord and being honest, we got to be prepared when our Lord kind of calls us out in that way. Calling us back. He knows what's going on in our lives. He knows those areas. I don't think Jesus did. As soon as she came up, uh, we'll get to that in the segmentation about what our what our lords and his, this this conversation from his perspective. But he knows what's going on. He knows what's happening in our life, and so um, he calls us out, and we got to let our Lord call us out. Those areas, particularly those areas of which we're... Notice he doesn't say, like, maybe some of her little things. Like, oh, yeah, well, you just get up late in the morning. Okay. Well, you waste some time. You don't really say your prayers. Um, no, no, he goes right to the, Go call your husband. Right? Lord, you, you love us too much. You love us too much. To not go right to the core of what's keeping us from you, right to the core of those wounds in our lives and in our conversation with you. We need to, if we kind of put up those bears, quick answers, I have no husband. Now again, here too, maybe um, this woman, um, just let's, let's get this over. Like she, she, may, she may kind of pull back a bit when this happens. She was starting to open up. Okay, give, give me this water. I'm interested. They want to buy what you're selling. But now it gets real and she pulls back that I have no husband. You're right in saying you have, I have no husband. We've had five. He whom you have now is not your husband. It is you said truly. So she says to him, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. And then she goes into this whole religious question. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you say that in Jerusalem is the place to worship where men ought to worship. Uh, you people is the way it's probably going to be translated this weekend. You people, you people say this. Um, 
so she kind of, I mean, we're getting to a, to a much deeper meaning here and our Lord is driving the conversation, but um, Venerable Fulton Sheen says, what does she try to do after our Lord says that? Let's change the topic, right? I, I have no husband. You're right. You've had five. The one you have now is, I hold, let's change the topic. Let's talk about religion. <laughs> let's talk about, and this is probably a political issue too. I mean, rather than talk about my sins, let's get into some of these thorny political issues. Um, our fathers worshipped around this mountain. You say, you people say in Jerusalem is a place to worship. But she, unknowingly maybe, now the conversation's going to go deep. Now the conversation's really, we're getting the meat on the bones. Because now she's talking to God about worship. If maybe in our moral lives we have these issues, we have things we got to work on, where do we start a period of conversion? Religion. Worship. Being here with you, Lord. Being able to spend this time with you. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming is now and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So our Lord um, really shares this with you know the, the, the political question okay pick one the mountain or jerusalem no 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 no. you got the question all right it's the wrong question it's too narrow-minded the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers god is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth And maybe in our practice of religion, in our prayer, we've been too narrow-minded. Either this or that. Either this or that. This style of prayer, that style of prayer. This form of the Mass, that form of the Mass. This movement, that movement. Let's try to get involved in all these things. Let's, well, let's waste our time in prayer talking to you, Lord, about these things. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. I'm talking to the God of the whole universe here. Petty little ideologies and squabbles and things. Just, this is God. Lord, you're so much bigger than all this. Then the woman said to him, nah, we're, we're really there. We're really, we're really here. And I think that she's asking this question in a very leading way now. I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will show us all things. I think she's probably asking that question with a real openness. I know, I know the Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. How? And this little conversation. 
How far have we come? From sassy replies of, you don't have a bucket, we don't share utensils. To like a deep, and some embarrassment, I don't have a husband. To now a very real conversation. I know the Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. And when he comes, he'll show us all things. That moment of true honesty with our Lord. You know, if we get sometimes in our prayer, just one moment, one little sentence of true, real honesty with our Lord, with real open heart, putting aside all the nonsense and all the tricks and all the sass. That's that's life-changing. And Jesus said to her, I who speak with you am he. Um, in Greek, it's something like, it's, um, or, you know, um, but the ego me there in the Greek is, is I am, right? It's I am, it's the divine name. So, so it's not just, I'm, I, the, I who am speaking with you, am he. But it's, I am, ego me. The one who's speaking with you. And that's what we find in our prayer. When we come to our Lord, when we find him, when we talk to him, when we engage with him in conversation, I am the God. Like God himself, God's name is revealed to Moses, the divine name. We see, we hear our Lord say to us, speak it to our hearts. Ego me the one who is speaking with you. I am. And that's the crux of all prayer, particularly in this sacred time of adoration. As we're talking to I am, we're talking to the God who reveals himself in the Old Testament. We're talking to the Lord who makes himself known to us, and ultimately, our conversation with him is this, that the one who is speaking with us here in this prayer, in whose presence we now kneel or sit and pray, is I am the God of the entire universe, the God of all the scriptures. So it starts with a little bit of a sassy conversation and works its way through some moral questions, Ultimately, comes his revelation. I am the one who is speaking with you. I am. There's a little detail, just a few lines down. I, I don't know if we're going to get to it um, over the weekend, probably. But that it's... Um, so the woman left her water jar and went into the city and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? She left her water jar, right? She came. Why did she go to the well in the first place? To get water. She wanted natural satiating of her thirst. And she leaves her jar there. That's an important detail, John tells us. She leaves the jar right there. Because she does as she found the Lord. She found the living water that springs up to eternal life. She found the source of all peace and joy. 
And so, too, when we finish a time of prayer, hopefully all of the, the kind of personal concerns or problems we've had, that we find our Lord and then, okay, well, I'm talking to I am. It doesn't matter if I'm home or if I'm at school or if I'm at the Catholic Center. It doesn't matter if I'm quarantined or I'm free to go wherever I want. It doesn't matter what's going to get canceled and what's going to be it. Talking to the Lord. Everything flows from that. That gives us the strength and the power for conversion. That gives us the ability to really, um, he gives us that ability um, to live a unified life, totally centered on love of him and that, so that we can carry our environment about within us. We ask Our Lady, as we conclude this time of prayer, to um, to always be with us when we're talking to our Lord, to help us in this way. Um, she wasn't present in the conversation between our Lord and the woman, but she's present in our conversations. And so to help us kind of progress through the dialogue and stick with it, um, to take those steps we need, Mary kind of helps us in the same way she conversed with the angel Gabriel. She made her fiat. Um, we ask her to help us to encounter our Lord so that as we find him, we may always know that we're speaking with I am, the Lord, Jesus, the Messiah.